man. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. The construction of the dream. Nine to noon. Personal foul. Clipping. The game is over. P.A. And now for something completely different. And that's a fact. I love it, baby! Woo! Bullseye! Hold on to your butt. Hey, have a seat for a second. job that head coach Denny Green has done. Hey! Got, got to pay back. Look at these Vikings, John, and they've scored more points than anybody ever has in the history of the NFL. Today they play Atlanta. How do they start to work I'm against in. the Falcons? Got to get back. Barb, hand to Adrian. He dropped the ball. Adrian fumbled it. Saints recovered it. Well, they just have to keep doing what they've done all year. I mean, this is really their year. I mean, everything they've done has been extraordinary. Adrian Peterson fumbled the ball. Saints got it at the 10-yard line. It was recovered by Scott Fujita. That is Adrian's eighth fumble this year and the seventh he has lost. What a missed opportunity that was for the Minnesota Vikings. has just been superb and then you say Randy Moss and you have Chris Carter, Robert Smith running it. Favre gives it to Adrian again, gets a block, tripped up, he dropped the ball for a third time and I think he may have do he may have dived on the ball. Adrian recovered it at the 32. Okay, that's the good news. What's going on here? I mean, it's getting to a point, with all due respect to one of my favorite players, you might have to take him out of the game. That's his third fumble this game. And Anderson hasn't missed in two years. First of all, that's the third time they've tried to kill our quarterback. The Falcons have one timeout. They have the ball as Anderson misses. But don't do no damn squeezing. Hold it left. Favre is down, and he's writhing in pain. And now he rolls on his back at the 47-yard line. Brett Favre clearly was destroyed after the play. Well, that's a pretty good bet if you say you think Gary Anderson will make this field goal. The answer should probably be yes. Adrian Peterson lined up wide right. Percy motions to the backfield. They hand it to Percy right side. Plays strung out. Now Percy Harvin dropped it. Balls up for grabs. Favre dives for it. It's still up for grabs. And a Saint picked it up. It's Remy A. Dow inside the 10. And he's taken down at the 6. We are giving away the NFC title. Ooh, is this place quiet now? Yes, it is. 
Super Bowl for the first time since the 1976 season at stake. Oh no, we got a penalty on us for calling two timeouts in a row. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. That's absurd. That just took it to like a 55-yard field goal. That's inexplicable. In this spot, in this game, that's unacceptable. How does that happen? just saw. Looking at that play, he should have just held on to a call. He should have. He could have easily gotten five or six yards if he would have just pulled that thing down and dove forward. But why do you even ponder passing? I mean, you can take a knee and try a 56-yard field goal. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. the pressure before from 39 yards out. It's good. He knows it. They know it. Morton Anderson. From 38 yards officially, Morton Anderson and the Atlanta Falcons ended 30 to 27. And Atlanta goes to Miami. And Dan Reeves is now the third coach to take more than one team to a Super Bowl. He took Denver, and now he's taking Atlanta. The city of New Orleans will be holding its collective breath as Jason Kyle snaps it to Mark Brunel with Garrett Hartley to try a 40-yard field goal. Right hash, snaps good, spots down, right-footed kick is up. And it's good, and the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I guess identifying the bottom before you find the top was the modus operandi to start 9 to noon today. It's 9.08. Good morning. Because when the idea for the James Brown payback song montage to start next level uh, production and the Talker Tuesday 9 to noon from the KFA and Brian Heating and Cooling Studios was concocted on the fly yesterday, the identification of the bottom from... 74 and the 75 Super Bowl 
which, by the way, happened to be in New Orleans at Tulane Stadium, through 98, through 2009, helps exercise demons before you find the top. Yes. I'm Paul Allen. The master mixer of the morning montage was Eric Nordquist. You see, 9 to noon cracked open Twitter to see what was going on, and there are a bevy of Minnesota Vikings-loving rubes disgusted and frustrated with the producer of 9 to Noon that he would bring everybody down on a Talker Tuesday before we beat, I mean play the Saints, this Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. So the only reasoning for the modus operandi must have been you helping us identify the bottom given we are going to the top. You have to accept what has happened before. You have to accept the low moments, falling down, tripping up, scuffing your fresh white shoes before you can walk back up to that podium and find your place atop the annals of NFL. What we just heard was the montage verbal version of slipping on a banana peel. (laughs) Yes. I mean... It's like we're a minute and a half into that thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm now depressed. Yeah, I, I immediately had second thoughts as I was trying to <laughs> yank these highlights. I mean, at 340 Sunday, when we beat, I mean, play the Saints, we can think back to this Talker Tuesday and be like, that's what negativity and inconsolable nature felt like, and it's antithetical to the euphoria we feel now as we are all there for the boom when we beat, I mean, play the New Orleans Saints. That had to be the modus operandi, right? I walk the way I talk, PA. I mean, in the for Fal- better or worse. In the Falcons and Saints games, we had some positivity. I said yesterday that you should not be fearful of offering and investing full emotion and heart into this 2017 Vikings team. I would be a fraud. If I didn't look 2009 in the face, if I didn't look 1998 in the face and say, bleep you. Can I get a witness? I want my freaking tears back. Right. I will stand tall. I will walk beyond. And I will buy into the 2017 Vikings. Yes. I will look at those highlights or listen to them, I should say. Yeah. And it hurts. And it makes my stomach uneasy. Mm. And I'm going to have to take some breaths during the break. But I will look forward to 3.40 p.m. Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium, putting all of that behind me, washing away the sins of the past for the glory of the now and the future. So the power of the purple is compelling you. The power of the purple compels us. That verbal slippage on a banana peel for a hot tick made me want to crack this microphone and say, Twitter, unfollow the producer of 9 to Noon for what he just put you through, but instead, we're not going to do that. I'd like you to unfollow Ron Johnson. I always love that one. (laughs) Make Ron pay for what you just heard. Yes. Unfollow Ron Johnson 3 right now. I always love that one. It matters to him. Chances the Minnesota Vikings rattle off the payback trifecta. That would entail beating Nolens, Atlanta, and the Steelers. I wonder which one hurts fans most and why. Now, the 75 Super Bowl, I mean, I'm old, but like 75 Super Bowl, man, I was nine years old. 
and I wasn't even living here. You got 98, you got 2009. In that 75 Super Bowl, by the way, new schoolers or old schoolers who don't remember, we scored a super special six points in that game. We lost to the Steelers 16-6. Big payback trifecta. Beat the Saints Sunday. Have Atlanta beat Philly. Get Atlanta here in the NFC title game. Boom. Beat the Atlanta Falcons. Have Pittsburgh beat Captain Cool. Boom. Beat Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger. And you hit the big payback trifecta. The Vikings lost to the Steelers 16-6 in the Super Bowl at Tulane Stadium following the 1974 season. Some uh, pretty underwhelming stats from a Viking standpoint in that game. Yeah. For instance, we ran 21 times for 17 yards. We had nine first downs. We had 119 total yards in the game. We had five turnovers. Sir Francis only threw for 102. Zero TDs, three picks. Terry Bradshaw only threw for 96 yards a TD, but he had zero picks. The nemesis in that game was Franco Harris. 34 runs, a buck 58, and a touchdown. Mm. That's the big payback right there. So uh, that's the modus operandi, 9 to noon. Helping all of us identify the bottom since we are going to find the top. 1.30 pregame, Sunday. Be there for the boom, about 3.40. Sunday is a day we beat, I mean, play the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round of the National Football League playoffs and hopefully advance to the NFC title game. It's 9.15. Eric Nordquist produces, and I'm Paul Allen from the KFAN Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios. Good morning. This is 9 to Noon. 9 to Noon. What a pleasure it is to be on Hashtag Faith Radio with all of these believers this morning. On the Fan. You're listening to The Fan. Programming on The Fan brought to you in part by Bradshaw and Bryant. Sauce. What's your level of consternation for Sunday 340 on the fan? Um it's weird that you bring that up because I am I, I hate to say that I'm a lifelong pessimist mm-hmm. and I hate to use the uh the past as the uh level. Yeah, barometer past performances uh, yeah. being indicative of I mean, future results. You got oh nine, yeah, you got ninety eight, yeah, you got the Cardinals bit, you yeah. got oh one. You got the Seattle bit at TCF Bank yeah. Stadium. And a lot of negativity. A ton. Yeah. And it's almost, the, the thing that I always go back to is it's, I've seen this movie before. Uh-huh. But we've never had a defense like this. And I say we because if you get as invested as I have right. since 98, right. it's us. There are people I care less about than I do the Minnesota Vikings. There have been. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> there have been stars that have aligned Saucy a little bit this year that just kind of paved the way. I mean, bar on a Raj, yeah. Wentz late in the season, mm-hmm. you know. Now, now we hook the Saints. Haven't won a road game in a couple of months. They, I mean, God bless the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton and Drew Brees and Kamara and those guys have done wonderful work because they've lost some some significant players to injured reserve. 
like some of their best defensive players, right defensive end Alex Okafor, uh, a guy who I think is their best linebacker, A.J. Klein, starting safety Kenny Vaccaro. They lost their left guard, Andres Pete, yeah. in this most recent wild card game. You know, so so the, their tight, their best tight end, Kobe Flaner, he's out for the season. He scored a touchdown against us week one. So they've been through a lot. Them at home compared to them on the road and us at home, period. I mean, I think we, we have a more than fair shot to advance to the old NFC title game. I hope, man. And I thought, I'll be brutally honest, I thought the same thing in 09. After the Cowboys beat whoever they beat, I'm going, we're going to lose to the stupid Cowboys. Hey. And then we whooped them. Yeah. So hey, uh, given your flush with cash, uh, if the now. if the Eagles beat the Falcons and the Vikings beat the Saints, yeah, percent chance you end up in Philadelphia for the life changer. Oh, I'd say high nineties. You got to go, oh, don't I got, you? I have. What do I have to? I do? mean, you're so juiced. I, yeah. You're so juiced into this squad. I mean, it's a long shot, but there actually would be an outside shot if you called time for two more. Silent Sammy. Uh, the publicist, or one of the high, your your main man, Lester. Yeah, Lester loves you. Yeah, he does. There's an outside chance you could get on the team plane. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Oh, great. And then you could come back yeah. with us I'm and in. do the trip the next day. I'm in. I'd love to, but right. that's the thing is, I wouldn't. The only thing, if I had, you might have to sit on the wing. But yeah, I don't care. That's okay, I've, man. Uh, yeah, I've sat and done worse things <laughs> on a plane. Uh, but uh. That's the only thing. I, that's the only reason I wouldn't go. Yeah. Because contrary, contrary to some of my behavior lately, I really like my job. Right. So I wouldn't want to miss, especially if we won. Oh yeah, you'd have to get back on the team. Yeah, right? I would. Yeah. I would. And I, maybe, you'd have you know, to sit on the jump seat. Yeah, that's fine. If there was no room, I'd sit in the toilet. <laughs> I don't care. See that the NFC title game is the sneaky play. I mean, you you do everything for show and you Super Bowl for dough. Right. I understand that, but the celebration. Or the moment, if you win the NFC Championship game, to get to the Super Bowl, as as you and your millennial friends would say, I have to believe it's lit AF. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, that's all my my close group of friends. That's all we talk about. Yeah, and and we that's all we talked about. Ninety eight when we were I was fourteen. Yeah, I'm thirty five. It's uh-huh. all we talk about. Uh-huh. It. I mean, it's. It, it everybody's excited for it. it it's it's here. Yeah. This whole town. I mean, last night at the Wolves game, you got Rudolph, Kendricks, uh, Murray, Rhodes, yeah, all there. Damn. I mean, it was. They do the skull chant. No, I don't know. They, they might did the have. skull chant at the Wild game last in week in Colorado. Yeah. Oh, it, they did. It was in Colorado that they did. What? And they would have done the skull chant, but uh, Creasel wasn't there to start it. Hey, um, so the game last night. I was yeah. following you on Twitter, looking at you on TV. Um, it seemed like the atmosphere was fantastic. It's one of those things, PA, and we've been through it a lot. We've been to a lot of Wolves games where it's the exact opposite, where you get a team like Cleveland, like Golden State, some yep. of these really good teams that come in there, and it's it's 48 mm-hmm. 10. And yeah. you're going, what? I mean, there's right. no effort. There's no energy from the home team. Yeah. It was literally the exact opposite. Honey, I was at a Wolves Suns game when Steve Nash played for the Suns. Yeah. And I had fantastic center court, like eighth row seats. Oh, perfect. The Suns were winning in the game at one point by 58 points. Right. I mean, it was it, just unbelievable. We've seen bad. everything. And to watch it last night, to watch them come out yeah. on a mission, the first offensive set for Cleveland. There's Jimmy Butler right on LeBron James. Yeah. And they got to do it. To him. Uh, I'm so yeah. in love with Jimmy Butler. I am too. It's palpable. It wouldn't matter if, if, if uh, maybe it would, but this is just a, maybe a preposterous statement. Yeah. But if this year, 
you get uh, Chris Dunn, Lori Markinen, Markinen, yeah, and let's say and Dunn's what, balling, right? They all are. Yeah. Who cares? Right. I would make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. Right. That's how good Jimmy Butler is. But the, the whole team follows. But the it. deal had some fairness to it, where initially it's like, great, you got Zach Levine yeah. with a bad knee, who hasn't played yet, a draft pick who nobody knows if he can play, and he's on fire, and that Dunn's an L, yeah, and Dunn's good. Man, he had a thirty-two point game yeah. last week. And, he, had a, he had a fat game last night. Yeah, Markinen is is good too, and and Levine and Levine's coming back soon. Yeah. So that um, that seemed like it was cool, man. LeBron James scoring ten points in a game, man. That that just does not happen frequently. Yeah. And they uh, about midway through the third period or third quarter, excuse me, they threw in the towel. Yeah. They were like, "Yeah, who cares?" As you always say. What about your guy Isaiah Thomas with the chop on wig, dude? That was something. Went pear shaped. That's something you see in like a and I, you know, that's something a brat like I would do in a pickup game because right. you can't keep up with him. Right. I mean, he and and I was with. Uh, uh, Britt from the Athletic last night, yeah. the gentleman, and he's he's, he's a, a smart basketball. He, man. Unbelievable! I know he's unbelievable. I sat next to him. I was very, and he said, "He goes, that's a flagrant two. Mm-hmm. Before even seeing a replay, I mean, right. he he goes up at him. Yeah, and you're like, what you're like, what do I look like, Steve Javi? Yeah, who's that? <laughs> a former NBA oh, ref. No. Yeah, what do I look like? Uh, big Sunday Pat for Donahue. Big, uh, big um, Tim Donahue. Big um, Sunday for David. Minus two ten. Your guy. I mean, uh, this could be a twenty eighteen changer for your brother David at that yeah, minus two ten. Yeah, he needs it. He uh, he because we ain't talking about twenty one dollars to win ten. No, he went pear shaped on the first game. Oh, uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, he came back though. Never he, met a favorite he didn't like. No, and he he took Atlanta though. He went big on Atlanta. He went big Good on Atlanta. God, oh, David. Yeah. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Uh, the producer Eric Nordquist. Um, has crafted a parody that I'd like you to sit in here and listen to for a second. Love to. It is a Vikings pump-up song to the Imagine Dragons number, Thunder. With a young bud, hell of a run, missing four shots, he deserved one. All the greatness, been 41 years, moments feel frozen in time. Now we're Zimmer, we are dreamers. With the faith of a child and we never stumble, we never slumber. There's still a heartbeat and there's a hunger. Hunger. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Martin Anderson and the Atlanta Falcons ended 30 to 27. And the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl. It'll be on the uh, 9 to noon show page later this morning. That's K- really good. KFAN.com. Uh, Saucy, you're my buddy. 
uh, when everybody turns their proverbial backs on you on the Power Trip Morning Show like yesterday, I'm very honored that you ran into the score 680 and placed your head on my shoulder. I'm always here for you. Yeah, it was blind rage yesterday. Flor- I lost it. Florio, next. You're listening to PA. Lifelong listener of your show, and I'm also a Vikings fan and an alcoholic. I'd like to shed some light on this. On the fan. The voice of the Vikings. PFT. Football feast. Wintersville. Florio. Hey, Michael. Paul Allen, how you doing? Hi, Paul Allen. How are you? Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports Network, NBC's Football Night in America. It's um, it's not news-breaking, uh, but Alvin Kamara is such a nice player. He um, He's definitely going to be a problem this Sunday. Um, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And, you know, if the Adrian Peterson storyline hadn't been hovering over week one with the compulsion to use him, maybe you would have gotten a taste of Kamara. Not that the outcome would have been any different, but, you know, who knows? Isn't it crazy how different things are from week one with Bradford and Cook and Kamara and, and Peterson and and uh, just the uh, like, like Trey Wayne's cornerback for the Vikings. He had maybe his worst game of the season. Something called Tommy Lee Lewis got behind him. Tight end Kobe Fleener caught a touchdown on him. Fleener's now out for the season, and Trey Wayne's is incredibly good. Well, look, both teams are dramatically different than they were in Week One, apart from the Sam Bradford difference. But you know, you you find I think it would be stupid not to look for anything that you can from that film. Yeah. To get a clue as to trends, play calling, strategies, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there isn't a whole lot of relevance between what happened on the first Monday night of the season and what's going to happen this Sunday. The Saints haven't won a road game in two months. Do you think that's a big factor into the game? I don't think so. I think, if anything, the Saints get a little bit salty when people suggest that they can't win on the road. They're, they're really not that bad on the road under Sean Payton. And when they're bad on the road, they're bad at home. Yeah. That's typically how it goes. In the postseason, yeah. it's always better for the Saints to be playing at home. And, you know, this is the flip side of the 2009 NFC Championship game. You get them at home. And I'm convinced if the Vikings would have gotten the Saints at home eight years ago, the Vikings would have easily won that game. It wouldn't have come down to a coin flip in overtime and a few first downs and a walk-off field goal. The Vikings would have won the game before, uh, well before the, the final clock hit 0-0-0. Zero, zero, zero. See, but, uh, but the New Orleans Saints in the final game of the season, Week 17, they needed to win at Tampa for like playoff positioning and stuff. Now, some things definitely worked their way to get in and get a home game, but during their game, I don't think they, they, they knew it, and they lost at Tampa, which is weird. I don't think they were trying to lose the game, but I also don't think they were upset that they lost the game because that allowed them to stay as the number 4 seed, right. and I know the Rams wanted the Panthers instead of the Falcons. People are afraid of the Falcons. Right. People view the Falcons as a much better team than their playoff spot would suggest, and the Eagles are going to get a handful of it this weekend. But, uh, yeah, I think one of the reasons the Saints advanced is they didn't have that third game with the Falcons. And uh, and and they did. You know, they I, I think that, that there was uh, 
They would have gotten that third game if they'd beaten the Buccaneers because the Rams lost that day, but they were trying to... I mean, well, everybody tries to win when you have your starters in. It's when you start pulling your starters out that it looks like you're not trying to win. And the Rams weren't trying to win. The Steelers weren't trying to win Week 17. Anytime you put your best players on the bench, you're really not trying to win. But the Saints did try, and uh, it turned out unsuccessful. Football feast. You'd think Atlanta absolutely wins at Philadelphia. I Look, I don't... I don't want to say absolutely because I feel like if Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, plays his cards right, he can turn this into a positive by arguing that no one is giving them a chance, no one is respecting them properly. Now, Fletcher Cox had some sound yesterday from his locker where he he played the disrespect card, but I think he overplayed it. He tried to suggest that the Eagles have been disrespected all year long. That's not true. Correct. They were very respected before Carson Wentz was injured. This is about... The difference in the estimation of the team in the eyes of the media and the and in the eyes of their opponents with Nick Foles at quarterback instead of Carson Wentz. And that's how they should spin it. Don't make it look like you've been disrespected all year. Right. You've been disrespected recently and for good reason. And I feel like the effort to, to paint with that broad of a brush is aimed at obscuring what Fletcher Cox knows in his heart. There's a reason for the perception of disrespect. Because this is a fundamentally different team without Carson Wentz. Now, if um, uh, to channel offensive coordinating minds, if I'm Philadelphia in this game, I line up in a run look with Torrey Smith on one side. I throw deep to Torrey on the first play uh, with a play where he only can catch it or it's incomplete. So I loosen that defense, and then I run Ajayi and Blunt at Atlanta time after time after time. You like that? Well, I don't know about throwing deep on the first play, but I like the idea of of running the ball. Look, the, here, here is what coaching is all about, and this is something that Mike Zimmer told me nearly four years ago when I interviewed him at the scouting combine because his dad was a high school coach, and every year you've got a different roster. You figure out each year what you're going to have, and you come up with your coaching strategies and philosophies and systems based upon what you have. And when you lose Carson Wentz, and it was comical initially. There were so many people who signed on to the idea, oh, the Eagles will be fine, they'll be fine. Wait a minute, they lost an MVP candidate. Oh, they'll be fine, they'll run the same offense, it'll be fine. Nick Foles came out himself, it'll be fine, it'll be right. fine. I'm a gunslinger, it'll be fine. Yeah. And then you realize it's not fine. And I don't know how the hell they lost only one of those three games. The Vikings would have the one seed right now yeah. if they had blown it against the Giants or the Raiders. And um, I, I, I now they finally realize, hey, you know what, maybe we should take a look at other things that have worked for Nick Foles in the past and do those things and not do the things that don't work. And I think part of that strategy is coming up with a game plan from scratch where you're going to take advantage of your strengths, LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi. You're going to minimize your weaknesses. And also, when you're going against a team with a very good offense, the longer you keep that offense on the sideline, the better off you're going to be. Isn't it amazing to think that the number one seed would deliberately try to slow the game down right? and and try to find a way to just engineer a one-point victory minimum over the number six seed. It, it, it's amazing to think that's what it may come to, but that's your best chance of win. Keep it close. It reminds me of the old chili ball in honor of Brad Childress, who's now retiring from football about eight years too late. The uh, Does that mean spirited? No, but do you, do you think Brad is retiring because Eric Bieniemy, his former running backs coach, is going to get the KC offensive coordinator job? I don't know because Childress is already in kind of this weird role where he wasn't the offensive coordinator anyway. Right. So I, he's only sixty-one, 
But but anyway, that was a gratuitous shot, and uh, I actually feel pretty good about it. But um, <laughs> the, 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 I remember when Childress became the coach between the West Coast offense and the cover two defense, the yeah. whole idea was keep it close, keep it close, keep it close, keep it close, and hope to get lucky at the end of the game. And the reality is... Some games you get lucky, some games you don't. You're going to be 8-8, eight and eight, you're going to be 9-7, and seven, you're going to be 7-9. and nine. And for the Eagles, on a one-day single elimination with Nick Foles versus Matt Ryan, I think that that's the right strategy. So, after about five minutes, I think I've answered your question. Yes, I agree. What, um, what do you think is a bigger advantage, uh, Sunday U.S. Bank Stadium? The loud crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium or Breeze handling the noise due to his experience? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but how many times has Drew Brees, in a playoff setting, gone into a loud, hostile, domed stadium? Great question. Or, or just a loud, like a century-length field, right? Wasn't that 2010, the Beast Mode game? Yes. When the Saints had the superior record, but because of the NFL's outdated playoff procedures, the the team with the worst record hosts the team with the better record. Right. That, that one, you know, and you can't, I mean... The old Candlestick Park, I don't think that counts when they had that, that classic game against the, the 49ers. That, that really wasn't known for being a really loud place. I mean, the only time Breeze has been in a really loud place on the road has been, I believe, I could be wrong, it was Seattle seven, eight years ago. So I, 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 don't, I think it's better, it's always better to have a place that's loud. I don't care how much experience the other guy has. And maybe they get lucky. I mean, you think back to 98. The, the Falcons had a perfect plan for dealing with the loud Metrodome, and they executed it very well. But that's going to be the key. What are the Saints going to do? And can they can they avoid the false starts? Can And it's not just the false starts. It's the fact that when everyone is moving on the ball because they can't hear the quarterback, the advantage that the offensive lineman has over the defensive lineman goes away. Everybody starts at the same time. That's one of the reasons why you see a hotter pass rush because the it's a split second. It's a split of a split second, but it's all the difference that an offensive lineman needs to get started into his pass block set. And if everyone is moving at the exact same moment, the defensive lineman has a huge advantage. Florio. What do you know about new Bears head coach Matt Nagy? Well, I know that he was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. He had a 21-3 lead on Saturday. He uh, lost. Yeah. They interviewed him on Sunday, and they hired him on Monday. Really? When did hiring a head coach become the equivalent of shopping for a new car? I think people take more time right. shopping for a new car. That that um, Kansas City bit, man, they're winning 21-3. Travis Kelsey goes down, and it was over. I mean, they lose, and I know Kelsey's good. Might be the best tight end in the NFL. But he goes down, and they just lose everything. And, and, you know, people are saying, don't blame Alex Smith. Travis Kelsey went down. And my reaction is, well, there was a few games this year when Zach Ertz wasn't available for Carson Wentz. Did it matter? Right. When Rob Gronkowski isn't available for Tom Brady, does it matter? Great quarterbacks don't go into a shell. And I think Smith is going to be gone. I don't know where he goes. Right. I thought maybe a package deal for Nagy and Smith to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. He's definitely not going to Chicago because they're all in with Mitchell Trubisky. But uh, I, I, I just I view this as a very uninspired hire. It's not an A-list guy. Yeah. It's a guy that a lot of Bears fans probably have never heard of. And when they do hear of him, you know, it's going to be like an Abbott and Costello routine. I mean, basically, oh, oh yeah, well, wait, wait, who's he? Oh, he was an offense coordinator with the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs, the team that played on Saturday. Oh, yeah, what happened to the Chiefs? Oh, they were up 21-3 and they lost. Oh, and we hired him? Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, really, the average Bears fan, and I guess online they're reacting, not the same way that the people in Tennessee reacted when they tried to hire Greg Schiano, but I think a lot of the Bears fans are looking at saying, what the hell are we doing? Mike Florio. I'd be saying that if I was a Bears fan. Florio, PFT, NBC Sports Network. So now you've got the Lions, Cardinals, and Giants jobs still open. Uh, you have Pat Shermer. Matt, um, uh, and Matt, Colts. Yeah, but I, I'm going with the three, what I think are maybe the most desirable. Yeah, you yeah. got the Colts, too. You're right. I mean, if Andrew, hey, the Andrew Colts Lux- is des- hey, The Colts job is desirable as long as you have a plan yeah. for getting Jim Irsay out of your office. Okay, well, now we got those. So we have those four. Pat Shermer, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels. Doesn't it feel like three of those guys will go to three of those four jobs? Uh, I don't know. It all depends on how long teams want to wait. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could see somebody waiting for McDaniels. I could see the Lions waiting for Patricia. Mm-hmm. I don't know that somebody's going to wait for Shermer. Right. You know? I mean, the, you're taking a risk. Shermer was 9-23 and in two years at Cleveland. And uh, now, 9-23 and in hindsight, it may be time to crack open the expensive champagne. Because they'd love 9-23 and right now. Shermer check. But, but I just don't know that... That one year with the Vikings, you know, lightning in a bottle with Case Keenum, is that enough to say this guy's ready to be a head coach again to the point where we would wait until after the Super Bowl to hire him? That's the key. How, and um, he's going to fall into this trap. And see, I think teams should be allowed to hire guys knowing that once their season ends, they'll join the team. But until then, they're all in. And why wouldn't you be all in? You know you have the job. I think it's a horrible distraction. And Kevin Gilbride told me this story last year when he was the offensive coordinator of the Giants in 2011. When they beat the 49ers, they're on the bus and everyone is is celebrating. And he gets a call or a text or whatever from a team that was waiting to hire him. And they said to him, well, now that you're going to the Super Bowl, we can't wait two more weeks. So it creates a weird conflict of interest for these coaches who, at one level, are rooting to lose. Yeah, that I mean, that would be really masochistic if that were the case. But but I'm just saying, look, what, 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 why are these? Do you think these coaches are in the job to be career assistants? They want to have their own teams. Right. They all believe they can be great head coaches. Yeah. And if your window is open, and if you lose, you get the job. And if you win, you don't get the job. And and look how fickle the owners are. They always look to the hot coordinators from the good teams. And there may be plenty of guys out there. That's one thing I liked about what Chris Ballard had to say last week when he was explaining the Colts' philosophies in their search. They, they pointed out that Mike Tomlin came from Minnesota after an 8-8 eight and eight season. He was one year as a defensive coordinator, and he's been great in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy went to Green Bay after a 2-14 and 14 season for the 49ers as offensive coordinator. Just because the team is successful doesn't mean that the coach is going to be able to be a good coach. And, and so... I, I, you know, if my point is this, when you get yourself into a spot where everyone is all in on this idea that your ship has come in, if the ship floats away before you have a chance to jump on it because you can't take the job until your team is eliminated, Either. that just creates some some weird feelings the night before the game when you're trying to fall asleep thinking about, okay, this could be a good day or it could be a great day, and the way for it to be a great day means it have to has to be a pretty bad day because it means we have to lose. How do you think things will change in Green Bay with the hiring of general manager Brian Gutekunst? More power for Mike McCarthy because he's now the most significant person in the organization other than CEO Mark Murphy. Ted Thompson's job has been split in two. Everyone's a winner except for Elliot Wolf. Here's a general observation that applies to any line of business that anyone out there may be in. If you show up for work one day 
and you realize by looking at an updated organizational chart that there's someone else that has your title, that's probably a sign that that it's time to dust off the resume, which is exactly what they did to Elliot Wolf. They gave his title to Russ Ball, and they say they want to keep Elliot Wolf. Yeah, they want to keep him as much as they want Favre to show up and play backup quarterback <laughs> for them, right? They're ready to move on from Wolf. They knew what the consequence was going to be, yeah. and I think McCarthy wanted to have a direct report to Mark Murphy, which he now has. And here's the thing. From Murphy's perspective, he was fairly insulated from the failures of the football operation. But now that he's going to directly supervise the coach, and he said yesterday that that includes supervising games, game planning, also everything a coach does. Well, now Murphy is moving closer and closer to accountability, which means that if and when they ever do clean house, uh, Murphy is going to have a harder time keeping his head off of the chopping block. Football feast. All right. Call you next week. Thank you. Hey, uh, how you feeling about Sunday? I feel good. I think the Vikings have a very good chance to win the game. I like the matchups. I love the fact that uh, the 25% third down conversion is arguably the best in the history of the NFL. Um, I like this team at home against this particular team. And um, next week, I, I fully expect us to be um, to be concocting roots to beating the Atlanta Falcons at U.S. Bank Stadium. And... Uh, let me tell you something. That that was before your time, was it not? Uh, my first year here in 98, I was doing just radio, no uh, Vikings play-by-play. Well, I think there's probably a lot of people that would rather the game be in Philadelphia than to have the Falcons come back. I understand. I understand. Hopefully this whole session was cathartic and uh, therapeutic for you, Michael. Why? Uh, because it sounds like you're a bit nervous into this weekend. I'm not nervous about anything. I'm perfectly fine. I got you, ma'am. See ya. Later. Florio PFT, NBC Sports Network, Russo Radio, on the Minnesota Wild, next. You're listening to PA. It's your show, babe. Whatever you want to do. I'm here to serve you. On the fan. KFAN, total traffic. From the Holiday Station Stores Traffic Center, as a look at the roads, They'll have a number of street closures around U.S. Bank Stadium until February 11th as crews prepare for the Super Bowl. Elsewhere, we've got a stall on the ramp from northbound 169 to Pioneer Trail. That ramp is partially blocked, but no other big problems. That's traffic on the fan. This report is brought to you by NBC's This Is Us. For months, you've been waiting, binging on episodes of America's favorite drama, This Is Us. Tonight... The wait is finally over. Emmy-winning This Is Us returns with an all-new episode after the hilarious new game show, Ellen's Game of Games, tonight on NBC. Programming on the fan, brought to you in part by Prism Research. Working it in, Colin Wilson, over for Alexander Kerfoot. Kerfoot back now, Johnson. One-timer here by Lindholm on goal save. That time, Dubnik. Lindholm again with a shot. Dubnik, another saving score under him. Soderstrom again, his second power play goal here at Benide, and the Avalanche lead it by a score of 5-2. to two. Russo Radio. Hey, Michael. Yo. What the hell happened Saturday night in Denver? I don't know. It was kind of like uh, Nordo just 
drawing the ire of the uh, <laughs> entire metro okay. this morning. So you got yeah. to you got to the bottom of your tweet on your own because yeah, I didn't get somebody tweeted me uh, yeah. saying that this was like the worst Tuesday ever, and I'm like, I didn't even understand what he was saying. But now, uh, now I have figured out what happened. Well, ther- ther- therapy at times is not e- is not easy, and yeah. you know, given Sunday at three forty when the Vikings beat, I mean, play the New Orleans Saints. If the Vikings are to ascend to the top, the producer of Nine to Noon found a James Brown song called Payback. And, you know, so therefore we went back to some less than desirable moments, replayed them with the theme being Payback, and it it helps Vikings fans remember the bottom so we can better appreciate the top. You know what I mean? What would you put the odds of you allowing me to be at the right hand of PA on uh, on Sunday? Doesn't matter. Uh, you you could call plays and we're still going to beat the Saints. <laughs> I mean, I I could get with Zimmer today and say Russo Radio wants to call the first third down blitz, and he would let you. Yeah. Are you? Uh, are you are going great in the Twin Cities right now? You Wait. Got the, uh, you got you got LeBron getting absolutely worked over last night. You got yeah. the the Vikings uh, ascending all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you got the Wild getting spanked seven two in Colorado. Are you um Are you coming to the game Sunday? No, the Wild have a game that. Excellent. In fact, uh, I, I, I've got to think the first uh, the warm ups in the first period of the Wild game against the Vancouver Canucks might be the emptiest I've ever seen that arena. I can't. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I can. And, and the Wolves, they I think they moved their time too. They have Portland at Target Center. I think that's also an eight o'clock game or whatever. But um, wow, I um I can't remember why I didn't watch. It was my birthday Saturday. Oh, that's right. It was Happy uh, birthday. thank you. It was Falcons Rams, and I was all over that game to see if the Rams were coming to the House of Pain. So I missed the wild game. I'm following you via Twitter, and I mean seriously, what happened Saturday night? Yeah, it was a bloodbath, and and I'm not excusing the way uh, the Wild played that night, but I think most teams in the league would have lost to the Avalanche that night. They were they were as good as I've seen any team uh, play this season, and you know the the one thing is that when the Wild struck late. In the last minute on a goal by Eric Stahl, you just thought, all right, maybe that the Wild will be able to settle down in the in, during this first intermission and, and figure out a way to, to slow the avalanche down that night. But, uh, you know, they played well in the first five or six minutes of the second period, and then when it hits a crossbar and, and boom, you know, bad goal, and, and it's 3-1 and, and game over. And I, I think it was kind of a perfect storm. The Wild were coming off two very easy home wins. They go to Colorado. Um, the Avalanche absolutely despised the Wild. It was their last game before their bye week. It yeah. was a chance for them to actually overtake the Wild in the standings. And, and I think the Wild stepped on the ice thinking, hey, they're going to play the same Patsies that they've played uh, the last couple of years. And the Avalanche are not the same team. Uh, you know, they have 47 points in 41 games. They had 48 points all of last season. Damn. Uh, McKinnon second in the league in scoring. And they're playing very structured hockey right now, and they're absolutely dominant at home. I mean, you know, I, I watched the Avalanche do the same thing to the Washington Capitals last month. Wow. Um, they're, they're, they're a team that's, that's tricky right now because McKinnon seems to have realized how good he can be. And, uh, and they're getting really good goaltending from, from Bernier right now. So, so it was, it was ugly. And now it's, it's, is, as Eric Stahl said today, it's response time. The Wild have their four very important games this week to try to catch some teams on their bye in the standings. Uh, Dallas and Colorado, the two teams occupying the, the 
wild card spots are not playing this week. So it's important the Wild get some points here. So do you think any problems potentially emerge from that game that could be long-term for the Minnesota Wild? Uh, we'll see tonight. I mean, you know, again, you're coming back home. You've been, you're coming off three dominant home wins uh, in a row, and, and they're a team that's 11-1-1 in their last 13 at home. So we'll see tonight if there's any hangover. Um, you, you know, it's, it's one of those things where what's scary to me is uh, how bad they looked the other night. I mean, there was nothing the Wild seemed to be able to do in that game to slow them down. Their neutral zone was, you know, you might as well have not had any bodies in there. It was, it was, it was embarrassing how easy it was for the for the Avalanche to skate through them. And so, you know, they're playing another fast team tonight with actually more weapons. Uh, you know, the, the the Avalanche to me are still a very one line team. And, uh, you know, you look at Calgary, and there's a lot of good, good players on that team. So we'll see tonight. The Wild, I mean, you know, they should, they should be favored to be able to respond tonight. But, uh, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, a tough game. Is Alex Daylock ever going to play again? Uh, yeah, he's playing tonight, uh, at least as far as I know. Sweet. Uh, uh, do you hear something different? Last time you told me that, uh, that Parisi was on the penalty kill, I doubted you. Yeah, I, I see the NHL clearly, Michael. You should know that by now. I can tell you, despite having the flu yesterday, Miko Koivu will play this evening. Yes, uh, that that one I uh, I've gathered. And of course uh, you did. but yeah, no, Stalock is. You know, Stalock seems to be the the uh, the Calgary starter. I think something like twelve percent of his games in the NHL are against the Flames. Uh, so he's uh, you know he's taken two wins from them this season. Yeah, uh, I thought that the Flames outplayed the Wild in both games, and and Stalock was great and. And so now he'll, I think he'll get a chance to go and give Duke Nick the night off after a tough game last game where he seemed to lose composure and be a very frustrated goalie. And, and uh, you, you put him in the second of a back-to-back tomorrow, which, mm-hmm. you know, his first year with the Wild, he was unbelie- unbeatable in the, in the second of back-to-backs. And right. so uh, I think tomorrow is a game where the Wild need to go into Chicago and take advantage of a team that's behind them in the standings. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see if they can get it done. One of my very favorite shows on the fan, Wild Fan Line, with Brandon Molesky and Pat Micheletti on this evening following Wild and Calgary Flames. Wild Fan Line this evening with Tennessee and Mick Tockett following the postgame show after what we hope is a wild victory over Calgary. Then, like Russo Radio said, we get the Speedy Hawks on a back-to-back. Why? Why is Chicago last in the Central? Yeah, well, I mean, Corey Crawford's been hurt, so that's one thing. And they're just, they don't seem to be the same team. They've lost a lot of guys. Saad is not Panarin. Uh, Hose is gone. Uh, Seabrook's having a horrific season. Uh, they're, they're, you know, their, their bottom of their lineup is, is very pedestrian. Um, and they, they definitely seem to be struggling. Hayes hasn't been as good, although I think he's been a lot better lately. So, um, but they always seem to figure it out. And, and that's the scary thing here is the wild, that loss the other night was damaging in the standings. I mean, they put them four back of Dallas. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, this is a team right now that, you know, they're, what's scary to me is that the wild are surrounded. I, you know, I wrote this in today's, in today, I almost said today's paper and today's athletic. Um, and, you know, the wild, their ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th in the standings are all teams that made the playoffs last year. Yeah. I mean, it's Anaheim, it's Calgary, it's Edmonton, it's Chicago, and it's Minnesota. And, you, you know, you got to think that these five teams who were all quality last year, one or two of them are going to figure it out. And so it's imperative that the wild wow. figure out a way to, uh, you know, to get on a string of games here. And you can't afford to go into Colorado. Uh, when you hadn't played the night before and just get absolutely demolished the way that they did the other night. And Man. so it's, 
What? Hey, I just got I just got a text from your physician, Doctor Paul <laughs> Fletcher. He says, "Tell my patient he better hit that sinus rinse." Yeah, I know. I, I've got a I've had a cold for like three weeks. I don't know. I can't get rid of it. Uh, who's playing really well for the Wild? Um, I mean, Stahl is about uh, is, is you know Stahl. He's 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 been their most consistent player. I think it'd be an absolute travesty if he doesn't make the All Star game tomorrow. I think it'd be awesome if he can bring his three boys down there, who you know two of them weren't alive and one you know had no memories of of his, of the last time he was in All Star game. And and you know I still remember the game in Atlanta uh, that uh, that he was absolutely dominant and was and was named MVP. Uh, in fact, the, the night before, I remember being a Buckhead and watching a couple of All Stars having to be helped into cabs it was such a uh, party down there and so uh that was brian ralston's last game too yeah uh last all-star game with the wild um but you know it's it's one of those things where where uh, you know there's not a lot of gr- uh, guys playing great right now Granlin's starting to play really good niederreiter um had the hat trick in his first game back was not very good last game and I don't know how he's playing. I'm still watching him out or walk around off the ice, and he's limping with a very noticeable limp. Um, but, you know, uh, before he got sick, I thought Koivu started to look more like himself. Um, so there are guys starting to play well. On the blue line, up until last game, I thought Brodine had been really good. Spurgeon had been really good. Uh, their blue line last game really struggled uh, dramatically. Their top four, especially. And so um, it's just a matter of putting that game behind them and, and, and remembering what they started on their home streak and then – you know, at some point, you're figuring out how to start winning games more consistently on the road. Russo Radio, The Athletic, theathletic.com. Excellent local coverage and national coverage of uh, sports at theathletic.com. I'm a subscriber, and um, I think you should consider becoming a subscriber. Go to theathletic.com. It's like $3, $4 and change a month. It ain't nothing. And um, there right now, and, yeah? Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, you know, we – like you said, you could uh, read stuff nationally. I mean, today I was reading our college football coverage from yesterday's game. I mean, yep. it is sensational. And then, uh, you know, f- finished that off by reading Krasinski's Gamer from the yep. from the Wolves game last night. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great stuff on the site right now. Theathletic.com. Now, also there, your chat with uh, Wild General Manager Chuck Fletcher. For those who missed it, he, he updated people on his trip to Russia and and was, was very candid about uh, an underwhelming first half of the season please share yeah i mean the one thing is he's he's really outspoken about the wilds uh, mentality of really shooting themselves in the foot taking bad penalties uh, turning pucks over and having a mentality of not shooting pucks which is you know it's been his theme as a gm to change since he took over in 2009 i still remember when he acquired uh, danny heatley and setaguchi you know back in 2011 it was it was it was all about we don't have a shooting mentality on this team, and here we are seven years later, and it's the same thing. Um, you know, he, we talked a lot about the Wild being the worst puck possession team in the league, and he said it in his mind it's, it's a little deceiving because the problem with the Wild is they actually have the puck, but just how many times do you get a, you know, do, this is his words, how many times do they spend 45 seconds in the offensive zone not even uh, take a shot? Uh, how many times do they get an odd man rush and not even get a shot off? And so, you know, that's the stuff that affects that that part. But this team, um, you know, he still, in his mind, f- fully believes. He went back to the summer and explained the challenges that they had and uh, and why he made certain decisions that he did. And, mm-hmm. and But he still totally believes that this team's got uh, the ability to make a push here. The, the irony of those quotes is they all came before they were uh, absolutely steamrolled the other night. So, you know, I, I know that. 
fans are frustrated here, but I don't see a ton of of options for them to make big trades. I mean, they kind of went for it last year. Last year, I mean, the one thing Chuck Fletcher said to me is that he realized that last year was going to be the deepest team that they would be able to have for a while. So that's why he went for it by by acquiring Martin Hansel. Now, you can question the decision to acquire that specific player, but that was the reason why he went for it. And, and coming into this year, I think that he's more looking for internal um, in, internal options to fix this team, uh, whether it be a, a big boost by Erickson Eck here in the second half, whether it be bringing back Luke Cunning at some point, um, whether it be uh, after his season at Boston University, signing Jordan Greenway and putting him right onto the roster and, and burning a year of his contract. So those could be the options, but I don't see a ton of uh, availability for the Wild to go out and make some big splash. Well, uh, you think Vegas will finish the season with the most points in the Western Conference? I do. I, I mean, they are unbeatable at home. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, and we'll see how after their bye they play against the Oilers, who are struggling right now. Columbus Blue Jackets are going to spend four days in Vegas before that game. Ooh. I think John Tortorella is taking the tack, like, all right, let's have them get it out of their system and then yeah. go and beat them. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So, I mean, uh, so we'll see if that works, but, but, you know, they just, they're, they're, they're robotic. When I watch them play, it's just like a machine. The second they get up by a goal, um, they are, they are absolutely unbelievable. In fact, they have the highest percentage of one goal wins in the NHL in the last like 17 years besides the, uh, Anaheim Ducks, uh, the year, the year that Bruce Boudreau was fired. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, they just seem to be a machine and, What's kind of exciting for me is that if the Wild do get in the playoffs, <laughs> the chance the Wild cross, <laughs> you can have a big road trip I mean, over to Vegas. That would be spectacular, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really it would be an amazing, amazing thing. I I, I already hear some Wild fans, yeah, uh, like by like flooding me with uh, tweets and emails that they're all excited about going to. Uh, to Vegas uh, for the March game. Yeah. It's also the opening weekend of March Madness. So well, Vegas, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the opening weekend of March Madness in Vegas, but yes. you've got 64 jerseys of thousands and thousands of people roaming around that city. It's it's, it's a crazy party. Russo and Radio. the Wild are going to happen to be there, so I can document that as well. If the Wild, perchance, hooks Vegas Golden Knights round one, I mean, there are never back-to-back games. So, I mean, yeah. it would be game, day or two off, game, it would be unbelievable. It would be. I, I would. I would be interested to see how Bruce Boudreaux handles it. Does he keep him like I, I even joked about it in you know, the piece that I did in the Athletic yesterday about yeah. you know I wonder if the opponent for in the playoffs are going to sit there and actually like you know stay in Palm well, Springs on off days and come in for the game. Yeah, uh, you know, just to get them out of the city. You know what you do? Uh, obviously, coming home is, that that's not an option. It's too far. You what you do is you play in Vegas, then you get a day or two off. You send them to Salt Lake City. I always love yeah. that one because then they can cleanse their souls, come back to uh, come back to <laughs> Vegas. Now wait a second. When um top of the head, you're an elite hockey mind. Like when, like what month and and like week or weeks would the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs be? Uh, it would be April like oh, uh, I'm so 11th there or twelfth. I'm so there. Okay. If that yeah. happens. I'm 100% going to Vegas yeah. and doing 9 to noon and following this bit with Vox in the Box and the whole thing. 100%. Yeah, that would be, uh, be amazing. Yeah, I think the oh. playoffs start April 11th. Hell yeah. All right, you're my main man. Hopefully that uh, sinus L you're taking right now gets better, <laughs> and uh, we'll chat soon, all right? All right, see ya. Michael Russo, Russo Radio, at Russo Hockey via Twitter, and um, he balls and uh, rights for The Athletic and theathletic.com.
David Sinekin, the head cheese around the corner to talk about the Packers' new general manager and uh, some things with uh, the Vikings' chief rival in the NFC North. News du Nord following that. Then the great Jim Peterson at 10.55 on that amazing Timberwolves win last night. Paul Allen, KFAM, Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios. Good morning. It's 9 to noon. You're listening to PA. Who's the best guy on KFAN? Probably Paul Allen. He does the Viking games. Paul, I, Paul Allen. Paul Allen. Paul Allen. I don't know if I know yeah. him. Paul Allen. On the fan. How you been? Good, Paul. How are you? Happy New Year. Uh, you too. Happy New Year to you and your and family. Related. Happy birthday. Appreciate you. What um, What do you think of uh, your new super special GM, Brian Gutekunst? Um, you know, it's it's one of those deals where it was a, a three-man race, and um, it's going to probably cost us Elliot Wolf, who was a, a runner-up here, and he'll probably move on. But uh, my whole thing was I wanted them to stay in-house for the GM and, and head out of the house for the new defensive coordinator. And so far, we're one for one. I think, uh, you know, this guy has paid his dues for 20 years, and I think along the lines of John Dorsey and John Schneider and Reggie McKenzie, you know, he's the next kind of rising star that probably would have ended up in Houston if the Packers hadn't chosen him. So I'm all in, and uh, I think uh, it's going to be kind of a new era, a little more aggressive team taking advantage of this five- or six-year window we've got with Rodgers. Excuse me for a second. In your face, Milwaukee! Well, if it's a rising star and it's been rising 20 years, <laughs> it's quite the ascension, David. Hey, you know what? It's, uh, he's a, yeah, he was a younger guy. You know, He's not going to get the call in his 30s. Now he's 44. Uh, he almost got the San Francisco job last year. It sounded like he was the runner-up when they went kind of outside the box with Lynch. And uh, he was in Houston having dinner with the Texans and, and likely ready to take over that team. He was... Uh, Pigeonholed by a lot of teams as one of the bright young minds. And, you know, Packers have had a nice tree under Ron Wolf. He's from that tree, and it's uh, time for him to get his chance. Let's see what he can do. Your uh, your defensive coordinator is going to be Vic Fangio. Tell me I'm wrong. I hope you're right. He's uh, bedeviled the Packers, certainly in San Francisco. And even though the Packers have kind of owned the Bears, uh, they've they've struggled with his defense. They, they are very much respect what he's done. And remember, he was the coordinator under Don Capers when Capers coached both in Carolina and Houston. So if Capers kind of signs off, or at least if Fangio feels like Capers got a pretty good deal here, I think there's a good chance the Packers go that direction. They are bringing in Mike Pettin, the former Browns coach, uh, former coordinator with under Rex Ryan, uh, to interview today as well. So there's a couple other guys that I think they'll look at, but I think you're right. I think Fangio's the uh, the leader in the clubhouse, and I would love to see him come to Green Bay. And the silence you hear is Lambeau Field. What's your stance on the Vikings in the postseason? When do you start rooting against said squad? 
Uh, I won't root against your squad, certainly uh, until they get to U.S. Bank Stadium in February. I- I'd like to see your team get there. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I hear from probably the worst of Viking fans on Twitter that are uh, dancing with me, but I know there's many more that uh, have waited a long time for this day. And I, I tweeted you or texted you last night. I do think the stars have aligned. I think uh, when Wentz went down, it, it made you guys the favorite. So I, I, I think this is your biggest test this weekend after a week off. I, I know what it's like to be a little rusty uh, that first game after the bye. So as long as you guys can take care of the Saints, I, I think you're headed back home for the Super Bowl. I really do. Isn't it bad for business when your chief rival gets to and or wins the Super Bowl? I don't know. It's never happened. Um, so <laughs> I'm not sure how to feel about that. But Brilliant. If you guys get there, look, okay. I'm not one of those Packer fans that, that wish the worst on the Vikes. Yeah, of course you I, I do wish the worst on the Bears every year and okay. I have since I was born. Hold on. Um, All right. But All right. no, I, I, I grew up around Viking fans. My dad's a St. Paul guy and my I have family here. And so uh-huh. I know what it means to Viking fans. And I'll certainly hope you guys get to the big game. Now, if you're playing New England or Pittsburgh on Super Bowl Sunday, I might need some convincing to root for the purple just to know what it's going to be like here for the next six months. But I hope you guys get there. I really do. What was it like for Juicy David Sinekin in 09 when we went to Superdome? (laughs) I was sitting in a bar in Appleton doing some business in Green Bay, and I remember there were two Viking fans in the entire bar. They were wearing uh, purple number four jerseys, and they were talking so much smack for three hours, and <laughs> man, did they get quiet about 10.30 that night. What um, what, do you, what would you like to see with um, with Gouda Kunst and uh, this regime? What what would you like to see change into the 2018 for your juicy fat squad? Well, Goody, uh, we have a pretty good vibe. He likes me to call him Goody. Made it clear, um, not in so many words, but that they are going to take a different uh, strategy when it comes to free agency, and I think you know, when you've got a quarterback at 34 who is going to be in Canton when he's done, you take advantage of the window, and you, you don't just try to have the youngest roster every single year. I think you'll see a lot less undrafted free agent guys as backups. Uh, you'll see veterans as backups. So when the injuries hit, the Packers will have uh, competitive players that are in there. And I don't know that they'll be in uh, on day one for big-time names, but I think they're going to be right in the mix knowing that you know, a pass rusher that might fit fit a Vic Fangio scheme, maybe a tall, quick Leonard Floyd, Alden Smith type of guy. If one of those guys are available that might fit the new scheme, they're going to target him. Uh, I think looking at a veteran cornerback uh, that isn't just a street guy like Devon House might be uh, on the market. So they're going to be aggressive. They're going to tweak. They're going to look to add a key guy here and there. But they also have to pay Aaron Rodgers before free agency, a new deal. And obviously that's going to soak up some free agent money. So uh, it'll be a different strategy under Goody, that's for sure. David, I've had steam for a week and a half. Fangio was going to be the defensive coordinator there. Yeah, it has been reported by a few people. The Packers were not allowed to talk to him until midnight last night. Right. So I think it'll break here pretty quickly. I, I know Patton's in today. Hopefully Fangio comes in tomorrow, and you know, hopefully by this time next week the Packers have their guy. You like the Vikings to beat the Saints? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, but uh, I do. Um, I, I think they're going to try to run the ball, obviously, I think a lot more than they did last week, and I think the, the bike should be up to that. I just worry about that first quarter, that first half, when you know they're probably more in a rhythm than you guys are, but I think the crowd might diffuse that a bit. They're a different team on the road. They're a different team now with Kamara and Lattimore, but uh, I, I'd be really surprised if you guys fell down. I think it's going to be a close game, though, um, but uh, I like you guys to take care of business. Thank you. Bless you. Hey, yep, good luck. David Sinekin at TC Head Cheese via Twitter. TheHeadCheese.com is the website. Uh, uh. 
in your face, Milwaukee! Time now for the Vikings Report on the Fan. Presented by Quick Trip, the preferred convenience store of the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer joins PA after this from Quick Trip. Stop by your local Twin Cities Circle K store for your chance to text to win $3,000 cash for your big game party. It's all fueled by Circle K. Head to KFAN.com keyword Circle K for more info. Shake what? Thank you. Shake what? You can talk about cha cha. News du Nord. Should have played that after the montage. Can't be mad after after I, a song like that. I ain't mad at you for the montage. Rube Nation is just not understanding. You see, Rube Nation is not seeing the forest for the trees. Maybe personally and professionally, the majority of the listeners now are more squared away than yours truly or you and I. Right. But the cathartic, therapeutic approach to the U.S. Bank Stadium game against the New Orleans Saints and exercising of demons into the postseason is having therapeutic Davenport of love moments where you remember and or recognize the bottom yeah. as you ascend to what hopefully is the top. Agreed. So it's 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 all by design. I mean, it's all by design. I was at the Superdome in 2009. Man, I hated it. It was a, the the whole the whole thing is the number one professional memory I've ever had at any job I've ever had in my life. And I needed to be on the therapeutic Davenport of love to remember it. Yeah. So we can properly appreciate what is going to start transpiring this Sunday. 1998, that's my first year in Minnesota, PA and Dubay. I'm doing Vikings fan line from Mall of America and something that used to be called America's Original Sports Bar. <laughs> I remember people crying after that game. It was my first year. Oh. And for those in 74 and a game in New Orleans in 75 against the Steelers, we are looking to hit yes. the big payback trifecta. But to properly emotionally appreciate it, you have to remember whence you came. Mm. And there is frustration and desperation and depression and negativity tied to it. So let's remember it so we can properly appreciate what is next. Agreed. As we go to the Purple Altar on Sunday, pure. Now we'll start with this. Number one. A bit of heartbreak uh, in a game that didn't impact too many folks in Minnesota. Uh, the national championship game taking place in Atlanta last night. Georgia 
seeking their first title since 1980. They had a 13-point lead at half, and Nick Saban, trying to get his fifth trophy with Alabama, pulls his 25-2 quarterback at half. Jalen Hurts to the bench. Enter true freshman Tua Tagovailoa. What? I think it's Tua Tagovailoa or Vuela. Watch your language in front of a ladies, punk. He's from Hawaii. Immediately starts slinging it. 14 to 24, 166, three scores and a pick. Driving ahead for the go-ahead score. Here's senior Andy Papanastos with the game-winning kick attempt. It'll be a 36-yard field goal from between the hash marks. The snap, the spot, the kick is no good. The kick is no good wide left. We're going to overtime. How brutal is that if you're a Crimson Tide fan? Uh, By the way, J.C. Hassenauer, he's from East Ridge. Yeah. Right guard for Alabama, by the way. By the way, I'm that kick man. I feel your pain. The season can't end like that. So I spoke incorrectly when trying to say that not many Minnesotans were impacted. At least the Hassenauer family, right. courtesy of Eastridge, yeah. uh, eventually got paid off. Let's go to overtime. Right. Fellow freshman QB for Georgia gets sacked for a huge loss. So they need a 51-yard kick from their guy. On the way. The spot is good. The kick on the way. It is good. It is good from 52 yards. 52-yard field goal. Rodrigo Blankenship. Blankenship. Who are these highlights from? Uh, this is Eli Gold and Learfield. He's the Alabama Vox. Oh, it's the Alabama Vox. It is the Alabama Vox. He was not as excited about that as he's about to be. Right. Tua, the true freshman, with their chance. They got to tie it up now. Got to get at least a field goal. What does he do on first and ten? No big deal. Takes a 16-yard sack. No. Now everyone's trying to do the math to figure yeah. out where they can give Papanastos <laughs> a chance. And they're just, just get some yards, yeah. and hopefully we can give the field goal kicker an opportunity. This is second down and 26 from the 41-yard line. Second down and 26. Going to get half the yardage back here. Give yourself a fighting chance on third down. Okay. Here's Tua stepping back. Loads up. Looks long. Throws. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown. Alabama. Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall, and for coach Nick Saban, a career sixth national championship, a number matched only by the legendary Paul Bear Bryant. It was blown coverage in a cover two. Blown coverage in a cover two. Corner lets the guy go. Safety doesn't get over there. He's wide open. Well, they were talking to Tua after the game, and he explained he intentionally tried to move the safety as far as he could to the center of the field. True freshman kid from Hawaii explaining how he stared to the right half of the field. Good for him. Watched the safety peek on over, and he nails the other freshman, Devontae Smith, for the game-winning touchdown. Uh, In other news, you got a couple of negative things happening on the Alabama have a sideline here. So, uh, first in good news, uh, cornerback Ty- uh, Kyreek 
McDonald yeah. collapsed on the sideline. Defensive yeah. back, he's okay. He had to be carted off. Yeah. Uh, medical attention, he's all right. No one still knows exactly what happened, but he's okay. Well, good because when I saw when I saw him collapse and they had to take him off on a stretcher, I was worried after his teammate missed that kick, he would die. I always loved that one. <laughs> uh, speaking of Makai, uh, of negativity on the sideline, Makai Brown, backup yeah. linebacker, number forty-eight. Number forty-eight. He went completely pear-shaped. He punches a guy on the field yes. during the return play, gets the fifth. 15-yard penalty, miraculously not ejected, had played only 36 snaps this year coming in, loses his mind because he gets destroyed by Saban and everybody on the sideline. Goes after a coach. Throws a punch at a coach. Uh, Backup long snapper guy with the right hook (laughs) snags him out of the air. Yeah, Jeff Overbaugh. (laughs) Yeah, it's their Jeff Overbaugh. And uh, he ended up playing again in future special teams play. So uh, a crazy game. Uh, Heartbreak for Georgia, of course, but with Kirby Smart and some of that talent they have there, they'll probably be in the mix for the next several years. Okay, stupidest question anybody will hear all day, and I don't really believe there's any chance it would happen. But, I mean, if it's like, I mean, just think about it for a second. This quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Quarterback for Alabama. The one who started the game. Yep. 25-2. and As a starter for Alabama. Was in the title game last year in the loss to Clemson. Now, he ain't the greatest thing in the world, but he's big, he's fast, and he does have skill. There's absolutely no way he does not transfer from Alabama. That's what I've been thinking, too. After the way the Hawaiian kid played last night, does P.J. Fleck need to be on the phone right now? I mean, seriously. You at least be enterprising with thinking about it. You don't have to make, I don't even know what the procedure is. But if he's going to transfer, why don't you come on up here, main man? Well, in the narrow casting buzz of Twitter, FAU, Lane Kiffin, yeah. potentially an option. And I don't know what the sit-out rules are. I know you got to sit out a year if you're within the same conference. Yeah. FAU, not the same conference. Yeah. I, I don't know how that works. If Vic Viramontes is listening now, he's like, Father! <laughs> Number two. Uh, well, let's get to this. First of a back-to-back tonight with Calgary at the X for the Minnesota Wild before they head to Chicago tomorrow. 7 p.m. puck drop. Yeah. Fan line will follow. So look forward to fan line after. Smashed in Colorado on Saturday. We heard it from Russo PA. Uh, team still looking for answers on how to make this run. You see some of the good things they were doing last week. Then you see him go to Colorado and get smashed. Uh, potentially internal moves, according to a conversation Russo's had with Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, but not a lot of options in terms of big spot trades with the deadline slowly creeping up. And the salary cap bit. And the salary cap is his, this perpetually cash-strapped team. At any rate, uh, they're they're out of the wild card based on a tiebreaker. I think it's regulation wins by Colorado. So they're still right there. Yeah. But they can't get this train moving in the right direction consistently. We have a rooting interest. A, young Alexander is between the pipes this evening. B, how excited did Russo get 9 to noon, specifically you and I? I mean, let's concoct, let's craft this biatch. Yeah. So the Wild meets Las Vegas in the first round of the postseason. Vox in the box at XL Energy Center. Then we find a way to Las Vegas where I will arrange for comp stay. Yes. So Mr. Tyler doesn't have to worry about that. Right. And we do shows from there taking the game. Do fan line. Join fan line. I mean, you got B and Micheletti back here undoubtedly doing fan line. We'll join. Yes, and by we will. the way, guess what? When fan line's over, it'll be like 10.30 Vegas time. Let's go! Ooh, that oh sportsbook is looking mighty fine, uh, my man. Sportsbook, you, you head over there. Now, you'll uh, you'll probably look for the war or the go fish table. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be shooting dice, homeboy.
I always love that one. <laughs> Number three. Uh, we'll hit in, uh, well, maybe this might, this may or may not come up with uh, Jim Peterson, analyst, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, coming up next segment, which it's all on Wolves. That's why I haven't mentioned what was an incredible game at uh, Target Center last night. Wolves over the Cavs, taking down the King and company last night. Tyus Jones and the boys looked fantastic. Uh, but LeVar Ball, I did want your take on this. So, yeah, he sucks. LeVar Ball. Uh, had this to say, and I'm trying to find it here, uh, regarding Luke Walton, head coach of the Lakers, right. and playing time for Lonzo and all of those things. Quote, you can see they're not playing for Luke no more. Luke doesn't have control of the team no more. They don't want to play for him. And, uh, and negativity like that. And it's mostly concerning, basically, the playing time and success or how things are going out for Lonzo. We know that. Mm-hmm. But then uh, one Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, had this to say when the topic was broached. Somewhere, um, I guess it's in Lithuania, LeVar Ball is laughing. People are eating out of his hands for no apparent reason other than, you know, he's become like Kardashian of the NBA or something, and and that sells. Uh, There's a transcript of his entire, and basically the, the point of Steve Kerr and what he's making is he's concerned about how the media will cling to individuals, to personalities like LeVar Ball yeah. for the sake of the clicks, right? The ratings, uh, even if it's not a, subst- a substance-filled story yeah. about the basketball being played on the court or even the development of Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. people cling to the personality, the boisterousness, and the the spectacle that LeVar Ball has made for himself. So he's either a marketing genius or he's just an attention-hungry, uh, insane person. But either way, people want to hear, for some reason, what he has to say. Steve Kerr has come out and blasted the coverage about it. Stan Van Gundy has refused to do interviews when he's uh, when his team plays on ESPN, the Pistons, January 19th. Several coaches now coming out in support of Luke Walton and the lack of coverage they're hoping starts to persist for LeVar Ball. I can't speak for Rube Nation. Um, I have not, never have. I never have and never will click on a LeVar Ball related story. Okay, I'm just not I'm not it's it's not intriguing to me. And quite honestly, with whatever I've seen and or read by happenstance, it's not compelling or interesting to me. Now I do watch the Lakers, including Sunday night, and um it, it's interesting all this would come up a day or two removed from them beating the Atlanta Hawks by like twenty to thirty points, and they looked really good. Now, LeVar's probably upset his son Lonzo before he got hurt, was playing early in the game, and then Luke was sitting him in the fourth quarter and going with Jordan Clarkson. Now he's starting to play Lonzo a little more in the fourth quarter. Brandon Ingram, uh, his game is doing well because of Lonzo. I I mean, it, this doesn't... LeVar's stupid. If he thinks the 2017-18 Lakers is what this bit's going to look like after they flirt with LeBron James, Paul George, and by the way, Jimmy Butler after the 18-19 season when his deal's up here and he lives in Los Angeles. So he should just be happy his son is along for the ride with a team that eventually is going to be very good. Speaking of basketball, Jim Peep, elite analyst, Fox Sports North, joins 9 to noon next. You're listening to PA. He's pretty dreamy, I'm not going to lie. He's fantastic. On the fan. Hey, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it sounds to me like that's just the man with the bone. Sure having himself a ball. What he's doing every night is it's amazing, but it's, it's also bringing the best out of everyone on the team. 
to me, that's the true mark of greatness. It's not only bringing the best out of yourself, but it's bringing the best out of everyone. Tibbs on Tyus. 11 o'clock, 9 to noon. Welcome back. Jim Peterson analyzes basketball for profit for Fox Sports North. Very good at what he does. And he joins us now. Pete, Paul Allen, hello. How are you? Good, PA. Holy cow. Um, how the heck did that happen last night? The Wolves beat Le- LeBron and the Cavs by 28 points, Pete. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, when you when you coming into the game um, and you looked at at how um, Cleveland had been playing leading up to um, that ball game. I mean, you know, they had they had been they had spent five days in Orlando um, before that game, and so they had they had just dumped a bunch of games. They'd been on the road for a long time. They lost at Milwaukee on December nineteenth. They, you know, they lost to uh, Golden State on Christmas Day. Um, they lost to. Sacramento the game after that then you know LeBron's never had a lot of success in Utah <clears throat> and they dumped a the game to Utah they did beat Portland at home you know when Isaiah Thomas came back um, they go to Boston they lose to Boston um, they did win in Orlando but Orlando played them real tough they they only beat them by four um, and then so coming into this game you know you're just kind of looking at at defensive rating wise I mean they you know, defensive rating, they're 27th in the league. So they, they have not been a good defensive team at all. And when you watch them on video, you see a bunch of defensive lapses where if you were able to uh, use dribble penetration and they were giving up, uh, you know, some of the highest three-point shots, I mean, they would make bad shooting teams look good from outside the arc. They, you know, teams make the, the 29th most threes against them. Um, so... You know, some of it is, you know, obviously they're they're a veteran team who's been there and done that. Um, they've been in the finals and um, they played deep. And I, I think they're one of those teams. I mean, normally you don't want to say, you know, we can flip the switch when we need to, but I think they are a team that can flip the switch. You know, and once and once they get everybody back, I'm on Shumpert's not played. Um, the only thing I could, you know, I don't, I don't know what their optimal Golden State lineup is yet, um, but. You know they they are constituted for the playoffs, and I think that sometimes they get a little disinterested. And I think this is one of those junctures. Well, if they're having problems defensively, God bless his soul. I mean, he can hit threes, but Isaiah Thomas ain't going to help with that, right? No, not necessarily. Um, no, I mean, and and I think more than anything else, I don't. You know, if they play against bigger teams, I, I you know Tristan Thompson is their is their biggest player. Um, you know, training Fry's not really a defender, but, uh, you know, to match up Carl Anthony Towns with Kevin Love is, was never going to work. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised. I wasn't that surprised, but, uh, you know, when LeBron was matched up with Taj Gibson, um, Taj just took him to the woodshed. I mean, Taj has been, you know, I say this during the broadcast all the time, is that I, I knew Taj was a good player. Watching him from afar, I was a big fan of his when he was in Chicago, but watching him every day, um, he's even better than I could possibly have imagined. I think there was a lot of criticism um, when when they signed Taj just because, you know, the knock against him was that he wasn't a three-point shooter, couldn't stretch the floor, couldn't play the modern game, blah, blah, blah. But Taj does so many intangible things. That, and, you know, when he was matched up with King James last night, I mean, he just was just dropping him off at the rim, <laughs> just taking his time, using his footwork, you know, putting him in the torture chamber. And uh, it was a thing of beauty. Was uh, was your nickname the Ivory Tower? 
I mean, it was one of those deals where, you know, there was, I played with the Twin Towers, right? Yeah. So it was Kim and Ralph for the Twin Towers, yeah. and some, some sportscaster like you um, thought he was going to be clever, and so he'd get the white guy <laughs> and call him the Irish. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it was, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. one of my criteria, and this is what I was saying when you tweeted at me last night, you said, that you were you were hoping that Sleepy Floyders or Cornbread Maxwell would make my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max never liked Cornbread. He never liked it. And so one of the things about nicknames is that the player has to like the nickname. So yeah. I never liked it. But, you know, but, hey, when you're a young player like that, you just want to be included. You know what I mean? I was happy to be included just in the same conversation with those other two guys. Well, with Cedric Maxwell, the, how did he get the nickname Cornbread? You know, I, I don't really remember actually. Right. I think I think you know, I don't ever, I don't I don't know if it was a teammate that gave it to him. Yeah. But uh I just remember talking to Max about it when you know, I've known Max for a long time. I've known him since nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. And now when we play the Celtics, every time we, we play the Max has been doing radio with Sean Grandy with the Celtics since I've been doing this job too. So we've been kind of seeing each other and he's one of the greatest he's one of the great personalities in the history of the NBA that people maybe don't know about. But, man, was he was one of those guys that would just, like, keep everybody loose and um, very important to those Celtic championship teams. And, uh, yeah, he just, he just said he never really dug the whole cornbread thing. Jim Pete, the Ivory Tower, does a, um, he does a top five <laughs> list during uh, every Timberwolves TV broadcast. It's a sponsored bit. And, and I enjoy it every single time I see it. Last night, it was, it was top five NBA nicknames, but I like how you prefaced it and laid it out by saying it just can't be nicknames. It has to be recognizable nicknames that people actually would like call these people instead of their real names, like the Iceman for George Gervin. You know, La- Lafayette Lever. But nobody called him Lafayette. Everybody called him Fat. You know, that, that, right. one, that one could have been on there, too. Right. No, though, though there's a bunch of them. I mean, the NBA has so many great ones. Um, you know, there's there's not as many great ones now. I mean, I guess Stifle Tower, you know, uh-huh. uh, with Rudy Gobert is a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, but, but no, but there's there's so many. And, you know, when I do these lists, everybody's got a better idea. So yeah. I always try to tell people, like, okay, so, like, who would you take off my list? You know, so right. I've got a, I, I only get five. You know, and I, and I try to get 10 in there because I do an honorable mention just to get more names, you know, out there yeah. for conversation's sake. But it's, it's, it's a fun thing to do because you get people talking. There was a lot of people that had a lot of ideas last night, PA. You were just one of them. Well, and, and like Stifle Tower for Rudy Gobert. Nobody says, Stifle, what up? Tower, what up? Now, <laughs> exactly. with Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, I bet you a lot of people call him Freak, you know, with Greek Freak. Absolutely. So, so that, that actually... I mean, I bet you Le- LeBron probably makes people around him call him King. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like a lot roll up to him going, King, what up, King? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, hey, I know I know that, that uh, you know, I, I was on a player's trip uh, with George Gervin, and everybody called him Ice. No one called him George. No one right. calls him George. Right. Everybody calls him Ice. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when you play with Akeem Olajuwon, no one calls him Akeem. People, everybody calls him Dream. You know, hey, dream this, dream that. Coaches yeah. call him dream. Right. Um, you know, magic, of course, is, 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 the, is the best. But it's like, it's like even with, like, Michael Jordan, people were, like, disappointed they didn't have Air Jordan on, like, but I, did anybody call him Air? No, they I call mean, him MJ. 
They called him MJ. I yeah. mean, so Air Jordan didn't even make my honorable mention because I right. just don't think people use Air Jordan like as a as a as a nickname. It's not really his nickname because no one called him that. And you know, people were saying, "What about Round Mound of Rebound?" I'm like, "Well, no one, no one ever <laughs> called Charles Barkley Round Mound of Rebound." <laughs> That's elite. Um, they might have called him Sir Charles, but yeah. they certainly never called him Round Mound of Rebound. LeBron James might be having the best overall statistical season of his career. He had ten points last night. I mean. And and it was the worst plus minus of his NBA career. You, you've seen a lot, Jim, but you've never seen that. No, I I um, I did not, and I've also <laughs> not seen a, a starting unit get outscored eighty-seven to twenty-eight. I mean, so I mean, uh, um, you know, Andrew had twenty-five points by himself. So yeah. I mean, he almost outscored their entire starting lineup. That was it was just a super dominant performance that. Um, the good vibrations were started early uh, when 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 Cleveland was struggling. Um, the Wolves really took advantage uh, of all those you know miscues, and so I mean you got to give uh, Jimmy Butler so much credit, just you know. And I, I think that you know, um, in, in fact, the soundbite that you were playing before, I thought Tibbs was talking about Jimmy. Right. I didn't. I didn't hear that soundbite. So. And Tibbs does not throw around compliments, nope. you know what I mean, very readily. So for him to be talking about ties in that situation, I think is is very good because a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, I'll talk to Marnie about what did Tibbs say or talk, you know, listen post game or whatever, and he's not just throwing out compliments. So the fact that he had all those nice things to say about Tyus was good because Tyus, um, um, I, I say this all the time too on our broadcasts, is and this, I've said this since Tyus has been with the Timberwolves is that. We've watched Tyus kind of grow up. I've known Tyus for a long time because my son Sanjay played with him a lot and uh, pickup games and stuff like that. So I've known Tyus. And Tyus' brother, J.D., was one of my Lynx guys team guys. So Tyus would come and be a guys team guy as well. So so I've just seen Tyus. He's been a winner his entire dang life, you know, and I've seen him beat the odds so many times. And so, you know, I just, I'm not surprised by what he's doing. And I'm not surprised that his teammates love playing with him because he just plays the right way. He, he's, he's a much different point guard than Jeff T. He's a, he's a, um, he's a playmaker. You know, he's, 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 he's the opposite end of the spectrum. Because yeah. Jeff, Jeff Teague is a scoring point guard. Who's playing a pick and roll to be able to attack and score. Mm-hmm. Tyus is, Tyus is an orchestrator. Tyus is an organizer. Um, and then defensively, He's made himself into uh, just a super valuable chess piece on the board, the way that he can, you know, anticipate angles and, and get to the right spot quickly and early. Like, that's the main thing. Like, with defenders, you want them to be able to anticipate and get there early um, and not have to react late and, and now you're behind the play and stuff. Tyus is, like, so smart. Um, he gets his, his uh, hands on basketballs. He's got no business deflecting. Right. And um, just what a, what a joy he is to watch. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, but you know what? Like our mutual friend who loves the team, Aaron Gleeman, tweeted, Tyus Jones plus minus is, is awesome every single game. But when T comes back, he's going to play 8 to 11 minutes a game, which, which, I mean, with all due respect, I disagree with that approach. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that, that, that that's the case necessarily. I still think that you can play Tyus and, and Jeff Teague together. Hmm. <laughs> you see a bunch of small lineups, PA, and I think that there's opportunities now. You know, uh, I think that the main, the main thing for for Tibbs, I'm not sure, 100% sure Tibbs was really buying into Tyus's defense, but I think he, right. I think he's getting there now. I think Tyus is proving to people that he can defend even bigger guards. But 
But I just don't know why you can't play Teague and, and Ties together. Having multiple pick-and-roll players out there, um, I think that there are a lot of you know uh, smaller lineup situations where you can play them together. So hopefully we see that. You know, I think that Tyus has earned that right. Maybe, uh, maybe it can be an old school version of Sam Cassell and Kenny Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think that uh, Tyus, you know, he, he his um, his ability to he's he's scoring a lot more effortlessly now. Though, if you've noticed. Um, he's he's now you know finishing at the rim more. He's making his three point shot more consistently. He's able to, you know, get into space now and, and knock down shots in the paint where he wasn't able to do that before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting all these reps now are just going to make Minnesota better. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, anything's anything's possible. I just think that for Tibbs, the main thing is is defensively. Can they? Can they yep. match up? And I think that they can do that. Pete, uh, you know I have all your albums and I watch every game. I um I've I've been enjoying Andrew Wiggins of late, and he is one of the most frustrating Timberwolves players that I followed on a game by game basis in, in quite some time. And you know what? Credit where credits due. He's deflecting things. He he's he's filling up the box score a little more than he generally has. And I'll tell you what, man, with Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, if you can get Wiggins to be consistent, have tenacity, and be engaged every single game, uh, th- this team can do some really good things. Don't you agree? Yeah, I just don't think you're going to get – you know, I just don't know. I think I don't know if it's realistic to expect Andrew to do that. Like when you say if he can just be consistent and bring it every night. Well, I just don't know that – He's never proven to me that he can do that. So I don't know if that's a realistic expectation. You know, I think that if you could get him just more nights, you know, just more nights, and that's where Jimmy Butler comes in because I think I think Jimmy Butler is, is like, start, is impacting these guys. And I think that what Tyus is doing um, is also showing that a guy that has, you know, a little lesser talent, if you bring energy and effort, you know, they can do great things. And, and Andrew just is as um, talented as anybody, but – he just hasn't proven to me that he that he that he's that he's like engaged um, as many possessions as you need him to be engaged to be that that's that top level max type of player. He's getting max money, but it's just a question of if, is is he going to be able to bring it on a nightly basis? You know that that you need. So I, I you know sometimes you know you go you look at his numbers against Cleveland and he's, he's played really well against Cleveland and yeah. he gets up for Cleveland. I hate that. Yeah. You know, I hate that it takes a certain opponent or a certain, you know, the sun, moon and stars have to come in and line into alignment for them to want to play hard. Yeah. You should want to play hard every night when you're playing against Milwaukee and, you know, on a, in, in December, you yeah. know, I mean, it just shouldn't matter. It's like when you used to play Hopkins High School. I mean, you know, you, you wanted to play at Hopkins, and, and that school didn't watch you. Are you saying Lindbergh or Eisenhower? You were, you were, the, you were, you were, I played against both. You were relegated to St. Louis Park, and the Ivory Tower would bring it every single game against Hopkins High. And even though I didn't live here, I remember. You're never going to let you're, ne- you're never going to let that die now, are you, Pia? It's on your Wikipedia bit because somebody looked at it last night, put it on Twitter, and I just absolutely love it. Now hold on, um, I got 90 <laughs> seconds left, and you get it all uh, because I can't get an answer to this. And if you don't have an answer, that's fine. I just I'm not a Shabazz Muhammad guy. All right, when they re-signed him, I'm like, eh. I, I I think his defense is well below average. I'm just not. I don't like his game that much. However. Outside of Jamal Crawford, when it comes to finding bench pop, they just don't have a lot. So, long story longer, 
Why, why does Tibbs, I know he played four minutes last night, who cares? Why does Tibbs never play Shabazz Muhammad? Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know, I don't know 100%. Because I've never asked Tibbs about it, and he's never told me. So I, and, I, and I just, it's, it's one of those topics that um, I, just don't, I just don't bring up because yeah. um, I don't need to know. Because yeah. if you've seen Shabazz play and how frustrating Shabazz has is, is, is been, yeah. You know, you just go, you just go, if Boz wasn't so thirsty to score, if Boz would just make the next play, yeah. like at some point you have to just go, okay, this guy's not interested in doing the right thing. And, and like, t- how many times do we see Boz run somebody over in transition because he's so thirsty to score yeah. when the right play would be to avoid the defender and make the next pass, yeah. you know? Or, um, I mean, he's, he's kind of a one-trick pony in terms of his ability to, I mean, he can post up, and he's got that one post move on the left box where he probes middle and turns towards the baseline side and, and shoots the jump hook off the glass. Yeah. But, you know, he, he wouldn't consistently knock down open shots. I mean, you can't be super inconsistent offensively, and then you can't, like you said, um, not defend. Like, you know, you have to be up, up on the team concept. You can't be lost all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so you're, you're kind of a victim of your own – um, you know, circumstance a little bit because you know at some point you got to you got to get with the program and 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 if you're not going to get with the program then you're going to go sit down and that's just the reality of sports. You're my main man. Thanks a lot for the extended time. Um, have a great week and we'll talk soon. Okay, PA. Jim Peterson, analyst uh, for Fox Sports North, works at Wolves games. Absolutely love his analysis. It's eleven eighteen. Here's the deal. It's a talker Tuesday. Uh, we would love for you to call, really, on any sports-related topic you would like to bring up. A topic in town, Vikings and Saints, uh, that you're always invited to uh, chat out that game, anything. I ain't going to create the topics. You, if you're thinking about something with Vikings and Saints, off the Timberwolves win last night, fourth seed in the Western Conference, two, two games behind San Antonio for the third, and Kawhi Leonard just messed up his shoulder. So, Wolves calls always invited. Really? Anything on any anything on anything from the world of sports. That's it. Anything world of sports call. Viking Saints, of course, Falcons Eagles, what up? 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. Be on the radio. 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. It's Paul Allen from the KFAN Brian Heating and Cooling Studios on the fan. You're listening to PA. One of the guys that I consider to kind of be an icon in the broadcasting, the sports broadcasting business, believe me, this is all my pleasure. It is great to be on with you. On the fan. Hey, check this out. You can join the fan along with Paul Allen and Paul Charchin. Or PA and Charch, as I like to call them. It's a Friday football feast, and it's at Buffalo Wild Wings in Chanhassen this Friday. B-dubs, Chanhassen, this Friday. PA and Charch, be there. More details, KFAN.com, keyword events.
up. The sounds of 9 to noon from the KFAN Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. Paul Allen, Matt Burke, Vikings Immortality, Super Bowl Immortality in studio tomorrow. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux kicks off 9 to noon tomorrow at about 9.02 from the second city. Thursday, a man they call the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, gives us the New Orleans Saints perspective. That'll be at about 9.35 Thursday. Bobby Bear, 9 to noon, previewing the Life Changer, Sunday, 3.40, U.S. Bank Stadium. As uh, the producer just mentioned, Buffalo Wild Wings' Chan Hassan gets the money Friday. Friday Football Feast, PA in charge. Ben Lieber on site for the final hour of the radio show. Ben Lieber on site, final hour of radio show. Buffalo Wild Wings, Chan Hassan. Uh, the producer, Eric Nordquist, uh, did one of his patented parodies covering an Imagine Dragon song called Thunder. Before we play it, I just have one question. Yeah. As With as much time as you put into this, beginning last week through yesterday, why was it only 90 seconds? I don't know what you mean. You mean the parody itself? Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Yeah. It didn't take as much time as you'd think. I mean, it, it's, okay. it's a very simple song, a couple of quick verses. Right. But it's what a you good played, vibe. What you played earlier was not the full song. And you usually do full songs for parodies. Okay, so here's what happened. What happened? Well, while constructing the painstaking, heartbreaking, aorta-smashing uh, payback Oh, Abbott, montage clipped, Abbott clipped in and said it was too long for the radio, put the full thing on the show page. Is that what happened? Well, it's a combination of that, but I wanted, to, I wanted to lay the right highlights into the song. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to be doing that here shortly. Great. And so the full version... In its uh, in its beauty will be on the show page today. Right, so it's uh, like three and three three and a half minutes or whatever. Yeah, we were going to play the full thing nine to noon. Chad Abbott, executive producer, Vikings Radio Network, came clipping in saying, "Good idea, love the enterprising approach, love when you work hard, but it's too long for the radio." Precisely. Nordo pounded, pounded through a Brooklyn Park related tantrum. He cut it down a little bit. Which um, I know, almost went Makai Brown on it, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, Chad, the executive producer of the Vikings Radio Network. Yeah. Uh, he's been the executive producer of the Vikings Radio Network for quite some time. He's been doing it at a high level for a very long time, some would say. Ain't no doubt about it. Some, uh, like Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, thought he was nothing but a board op in 2001. But <laughs> he has ascended to have his hand in many sports radio stations around the country. He has. Very good at what he does. Very instrumental to the success not only of 9 to Noon, but um, but the entire radio station. He is the process. Well, he is the one, for those of you tweeting and or emailing me, with a high level of attention being paid on the Sunday game at 340. Now, I have a high level of respect for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I believe, calling our game this weekend, but there are a lot of people who want to listen. They want to be there for the boom while watching the game, Yeah, but they're frustrated Abbott won't sink it. Correct. That he won't get the audio from the radio to match the pictures on television. I get tweets and emails about it all season, yeah. every season. So basically all you need to know, and in petition-like fashion, is via Twitter, it's at Chad R. Abbott. Yes. At Chad R. A-B-B-O with a double T. Just tweet him, and, and maybe the tweet will tweak. You tweet to tweet. Maybe you'll tweak him a little bit. And more people will be pulled in 
to the vast and ever-expanding Vikings Radio Network. But as executive producer of the uh, Vikings Radio Network, you know, we've had a lot of memories we've made over the years. If um if we were if we were to put a bit together at some time and it would it would take a long time to listen through a lot of audio to find a million mistakes I've made, some fun peepers that just had Joe Sensor, Greg Coleman, Len Bieber, everybody involved. Like for instance, the first one if it were highlights from 17 years on the Vikings Radio Network and then you play me in 2009 for whatever the reason, thinking Heath Farwell scooped a ball and got into the end zone when really it was Jared Allen. Yeah. And Heath Farwell never played defense, and I completely went pear-shaped, and it was just absolutely awful. Or, speaking of 2009, there was this uh, proud moment very early in the NFC title game. We go down to the sidelines, NFC championship style, per usual, to kick it off. We wish a very blessed and happy Sunday to Greg Coleman with the pregame preach. We'll get back to Greg momentarily. (laughs) Oh, I just love that. Uh, how you found that this morning, man? That was unbelievable. Just the sweat. Uh, just the sweat yeah. that had to be pouring down yeah. Abbott's face right. as he's scrambling to get Greg on the right. mic. Or the, the Favre interception to Tracy Porter. And I don't know what happened to Bursich's mic. Uh, at Chad R. Abbott, if you're interested in tweeting for the tweak. But, I mean, I'm freaking out. And then I hear Bursich in the background. Either his mic's not potted up or Abbott's taking an L. And I have to go, what? What? Well, Paul, if Brett had just run there. I always love that one. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's oh. another memory from the 17-year history of the Minnesota Vikings Radio Network. 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. What up? Aaron in Minneapolis, good morning. Hey, PA, how are you? Hi. Hey, so uh, I am a, from I live in Minneapolis. I'm from Chicago, so I bleed navy and orange. And I've been fooled by the Bears far too long about coaching changes, especially with Mark Tressman. I am very optimistic with uh, Matt Nagy. Comes from the Andy Reid, Doug Peterson sort of tree. Okay. How do you like this in terms of Mitchell Trubisky and the future of the Bears? Uh, good question. Um, in in deep diving on Nagy yesterday, because I had heard of him, but I was not super familiar with what he does. Um, he he runs a lot of trick plays. There is an arena football background to this offensive coordinator where he brought a lot of the trickery and a lot of uh a lot of the skullduggery from the arena football league, a lot of the Tyreek Hill related plays, if you follow the Kansas City Chiefs. That that's fine. Because eventually it has to become a real football game and you have to call real plays. So I don't know. I mean, um, you know, there there aren't a lot of names available from a head coaching standpoint with all due respect to everybody involved where i just like i'm i'm bowled over that a team doesn't select guy a b c d or e um but i think you know with with Nagy, it was an under the radar name with Travis Kelsey in the mix and the work with Kareem Hunt and not really, and and kind of having nondescript receivers outside of the the trick that is Tyreek Hill. I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, his work with Alex Smith was good. I have a feeling his work with Pat Mahomes was probably pretty good. So I'm not uh, simply because I haven't, I'm not super familiar with him, and a lot of people have not heard of him. 
I think Bears fans I know are considering it a bad hire because they hadn't really heard of him. Mm. If I'm an L.A. Rams fan, you know, I probably hadn't heard much of Sean McVay. I think quarterback's coach or whatever for the uh, Washington Redskins, and that worked out pretty well. So uh, working with Trubisky, I think Mitch's accuracy will greatly improve next year. Um, and I think once they get requisite receivers around him, I like Mitch. I don't love Mitch, but I like him. Brad, 9 to noon, good morning. What's up, Pierre? What's up? Hey, love your show. Just a question for you. If uh, the Vikings do not make the Super Bowl this year, and it's because of our quarterback, the way I see it, we have about a two- to four-year window with our defense. Mm-hmm. What would you do next year? I'll hang up and listen. That's a tough question. I like that. If the Vikings don't make the Super Bowl this year and it's because of Case Keenum, what do you do? Well, that is a perplexing question, young man. You know, you if it really falls off and Case, you see Case in the in the offseason via free agency if this keeps going the way it looks like it's going to go for Case, where at home, passer rating more than 100, he's not turning the ball over, he runs, he's smart, and he works hard. That's 15 to whatever million a year. Uh, if he bleeps if he bleeps the bed in the postseason, it looks awful. I, I, don't, I can't say the market's going to crash, but it's going to be below $10 million a year. So say he leaves. Uh, maybe you can trade for Alex Smith if you're interested in that. Um, be interested to see how Bradford bounces around to practice this week. That could be an option. And, of course, you have too much time for Teddy. That could be an option. They like Kyle Sloter, uh, the kid they gave 400 some thousand dollars to to be on the practice squad. And then, of course, you have the draft. Uh, it's a very intriguing question. Call 9 to noon. Uh, Talker Tuesday-related phone calls, 800-320-5326. 651-989-5326. More of those calls next. You're listening to PA. You shouldn't even be able to work with Locker. On the fan. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Because tomorrow might very well be too late. I can't wait. Nordo, I can't the guy who puts the rap on the show, uh, put together... A pump it up Vikings parody to the Imagine Dragons song Thunder. With a young bud, hell of a run, missing four shots, he deserved one. All the greatness, been 41 years, moments feel frozen in time. Now with Zimmer, we are dreamers, with the faith of a child, and we never stumble, we never slumber. There's still a heartbeat, and there's a hunger. Hunger? This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Martin Anderson and the Atlanta Falcons ended 30 to 27. And the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Hunger, feel the hunger. Heartbeat and the hunger. Hunger, feel the hunger. Heartbeat and the hunger. Hunger, hunger. Hunger. Oh my heavens, across the body, now I'm smiling, up 
the Danny. We can feel this. We are ready. Pop the champagne and pass out the hats. The Minnesota Vikings are 2017 NFC North champions. Hunger, feel the hunger. Heartbeat and the hunger. Hunger, feel the hunger. Heartbeat and the hunger. hunger. Feel the hunger. Let's go, baby. Feel the heartbeat and the hunger. Hey, the heartbeat and the hunger and the baby. He's just a baby. Aw. Nice job. Thank uh, you. The uh, the full version, uh, which is probably 90 seconds longer, um, with uh, some more words and production and stuff like that, Paul Allen Show page, KFAN.com. Paul Allen Show page, KFAN.com. What's up? Here we go. Who's been waiting the longest? It would be Nick in Glencoe. Nick, thanks for your patience. What's up? What up, PA? Uh, yeah, I just got a question on Case Keenum. Uh, if he does leave the team after this year, does he get looked at as a starting quarterback, or will he always kind of have that backup role? Uh, I, thanks for the call. Hang up and listen. Appreciate you. I don't think he would leave if he wasn't assured um, a more than fair chance to duel somewhere to start. Um, honestly, no. I mean, if the Vikings go to the Super Bowl and win it behind Case Keenum, he will be the starting quarterback for the Vikings in 2018. But you know what? It's not. You would think if you win the Super Bowl and you do enough to uh, to 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 get it done. What if offensive coordinator Pat Shermer takes a head coaching job? Like, say Shermer goes to Arizona. Say Shermer's bit with Arizona is like, hire me as your head coach. I'm very close with Bradford from our St. Louis days, and I'll get Sam to come with me. Say that happens. So now you lose your offensive coordinator and you lose your insurance in Bradford. So now you're down to Keenum and Bridgewater and Sloter and the draft and free agency. All things to think about. I just don't get it, guy in Shakopee. What up? Hi. I just don't get it, guy. Hello. All right, PA. Here's the quick quip. You are starting a franchise for the NBA in Westeros. You get to pick five Westerosians to start your team. Who do you pick? I'll hang up and listen. No, I need the names. I need um, I need Westeros names. Well, the Westeros Warriors. So you mean? So do you mean like Westeros Game of Thrones? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean, PA. Okay, well, I can't use Peter Dinklage. Um, well, maybe I could use him at point, and he could dribble under the legs of people. Uh, so, Tyrion. Um, Nordo. I just don't get a guy from Shakopee. Wants, uh, wants a wolf starting five with those from Westeros. Ooh. And by the way, the final season for Game of Thrones, season eight, 2019. I mean, uh, I mean, Game of Thrones, in in a roundabout way, has ruined me just a little bit. It sucks. Well, you know why? Because I was not big t- sit-down TV-watching guy. Right. I mean, at least I hadn't been in decades. Yeah. Until I binged basically five and a half or six seasons in two and a half months. Right. Well, so now I sit down, get fat, snack, and watch two seasons of El Chapo. And I'm starting to experience other <laughs> things. Like that thing you said, Ozark. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, just I'm starting to experiment with some things outside of sports. Um, so it's a weird change that created life. an L. Yeah. Secondly, my previous favorite show, The Walking Dead, I I liked the recent Walking Deads. I haven't even watched the season finale be- Ooh. because 
watching Game of Thrones is so next level that I don't appreciate how no. they do Walking Dead anymore. Correct. So I haven't like I didn't even watch it live ever. Yeah. I like Smiley and I would binge two or three to catch up. Yeah, now that you've watched Open Heart Surgery, yeah. you no longer are affected by Thank a you. skinned knee. So, starting five Timberwolves. Um, well, who's uh, the Hound's got to be in there, yeah, right? Yeah, the Hound is my power forward. The He's my power forward because I, I don't... I, I think he can be a stretch four. Um, you need Jamie Lannister in there. No, wait a second. Who's the... Um, Jon Snow. Well, no, 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 wait. The, the, the big guy who traveled around with... Uh, the short girl. That's the hound. Okay, then who's the one who protects Cersei? Mountain. Okay, Mountain is my power forward. Okay, Mountain's the power Hound's forward. Hound's my center. Yeah, go ahead and mess with that Twin Towers. Oh, here Biatches. we go. Uh, my small forward, because I need some versatility. The person has to be defensive, but also has to be aggressive. That's Jon Snow. That is Jon Snow. And they're going to say that my small forward is undersized until he whips out that sword and chops off Steph Curry's head. Yeah, he's been dead and yeah. has come back to life. Yeah, he's been dead and come back to life. He's so. reliable and versatile. Yeah, he's, he doesn't he doesn't fear Steph Curry because he'll just pull out a dagger and put it through his throat. Uh, my point guard has to be Tyrion Lannister in Muggsy Bogues like fashion. Yep, he'll just dribble through the legs of everybody. He's very fast. Uh, now, now you're getting into weird categories. It's got to be Jamie Lannister. As I think it has an ultimate shooter. Isn't he a really good shooter, or isn't he like a really good fighter? Well, he was all time. He had to relearn. It's basically like a guy who in high school only goes right. Oh, wait a second! But then he breaks his hand, and now he has to learn to dribble with his left hand. That's brilliant. I mean, you know what? He has to be there because of the right left-handed bit, the ambidextrous nature. He's the crossover of, of the way the crossover plays. My point guard is not Peter Dinklage, Tyrion Lannister. It's Khaleesi, because Khaleesi could just roll into games on that dragon. Oh, and then all go. of a sudden, here comes LeBron, okay. and this dragon blows some fire on LeBron, and the king has been dethroned. <laughs> Doesn't feel like basketball anymore, to be honest with you. Right. That's the bit. Brian in Lakeville, good morning. PA, Nordo, love the intro. It's all part of the therapy to exercise these demons on the Vikings Redemption Tour. We've got to go all the way through Atlanta, New Orleans, and way back to Super Bowl 19 to beat the Steelers to take out all those other teams that have taken us out of the playoff run. You get it. You're a very smart Vikings fan. Well stated. Anything else? Yes, sir. Anthony Barr is going to get a fat paycheck in the offseason. Who's going to give it to him? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I believe, will be the ones to re-sign Anthony Barr. I believe it's imperative to keep the uh, key cogs to this defense together while this cliched window to win the Super Bowl is open. Josh, Fergus Falls, 9 to noon. Good morning. Hey, PA, long-time listener. Love the show. What up, Jay? Thank you very much. Um, I just want to tell you, I think my wife is going to be happy when football season is over because (laughs) my iHeartRadio gigabytes and stuff like that are through the wall. And I listen to a lot of who we play and who we play afterwards after we lose them and a lot of the talk shows. And by far, you guys are the best. I just, I, I can't thank you guys enough hey, for doing what you do. But Josh, isn't that cool, man, being able to listen to radio shows and, like, sports and stuff in other markets oh, via love, the free iHeartRadio app? Yeah, I love it. All, all the time. I'm on it all the time, and my wife is upset with me about the data. But that big deal. Put yourself in this position. How is it going to be for you guys and your production system to broadcast a, during the Super Bowl 
in in U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, I mean, my uh, my my biggest uh, from a broadcast location, I would not be in the normal Vox box. I would be in the National Radio booth, uh, which provides a a. It's above the press box if you if you've been to the stadium and you know what it looks like on what would be the southeast side of the stadium. Brilliant vantage point. Booth is sizable. Um, honestly, I could call every game in that booth and be completely happy. You know, but the biggest concern were the Vikings to get the opportunity to be in the Super Bowl and KFAN gets a chance to carry the game is to make sure the radio broadcast is synced up with television <laughs> so you can listen to it at the same time. Now, if you're in the Vikings radio network, okay, there's a little bit of a so we have the delay here in Minneapolis, and I think there's a delay to the delay. Okay. If you're in the, let's say, Grand Forks, for instance, I had Rube call in and tell me this, so I already know this. Yeah. He's able, because the delay in Grand Forks is such, he can put his TV on DVR, pause it for like five, six seconds, and it's completely synced up. That's the old school way to do it. God bless everybody involved. If you want to be more proactive, tweet the executive director (laughs) of the Vikings Radio Network, Chad Abbott, at Chad R. Abbott. He's the one that personally holds it back, and he's the one that can change it. I'm Paul Allen from the KFAM Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios. Time for Nordo to put a wrap on the show. You know, it's funny is when Chad will talk to me about this. He doesn't talk to you about this. He'll talk to me about the emails and the tweets. Thanks to the Paddy Wagon 61st and Nicollet. Got to let it breathe now because I was talking too much. 61st and Nicollet, though, the Paddy Wagon, delicious burgers. Go get them. Damn real. Wobby. Let me be honest, I ain't sorry about that montage. But before you turn on the car in your closed garage, gotta remember the bottom before you appreciate the top. Moments are fragile this time of year, don't let them drop. We look back to move ahead. In 98, I'm crying myself to sleep in bed. In 09, I needed a bottle and a tool shed. Shouting F-bombs until my face was no longer red. An emotional investment, my pockets turned out. I'm all in, no safety net to bail me out until the moment when we all say it isn't so. There's still a heartbeat, and there's still a hunger, though. I'm out of beer. Whoa, mama. That one to left field. Pierre's going to use his speed. Nice catch. High fives for everybody. I love it, baby. Woo. Nine to noon. Keeping your head above water. Making a way when you can. Temporary layoffs. Good we go down to the sidelines, NFC Championship style, per usual, to kick it off. We wish a very blessed and happy Sunday to Greg Coleman with the pregame preach. We'll get back to Greg momentarily. If it's good news or money, leave a message. To listen back to a podcast of today's show, visit the Paul Allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com.